You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. We are in a series called Once Upon a Parable, where Jesus utilizes stories to tell us what the kingdom of God is really like. All right, I, I, need, you, I, I need some of your green thumb people to help me out a little bit, help me out a little bit. Um, um, uh, what, what does it take, what does it take to have a great garden? What does it take to have a great garden? What, 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 what do you need? Steak? There's no steak seed. I know, but what do you need to, to produce a, a great garden? Thank you, Paul, for your input there. Water, there we go. Water, water. Like plant a steak and see what happens. <laughs> so what? What? Soil. What do you need for great a great garden to for a garden to produce fruit? Seeds. Need seeds. You need something to go in the ground. What do you need? What do you need? Fertilizer. Fertilizer. Denny's got the fertilizer. What do you need for a great garden? Sunlight. Sunlight. Need some light? Need some light? What do you need for a great garden? Somebody to make you a great garden. I need, I need price cutters so that those people that farm just give it to me. Well, kind of. Not like give it, give it, but give it as in you pay for it and they give it to you. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not awesome at growing plants. Like, like I'm. I like. I'm better at growing grass than plants. This pastor grows grass. That came out not awesome. Like, I want to get on Facebook this afternoon. Like, my pastor grows grass. You know what? You can tweet as this as well. Your pastor grows the best grass in his neighborhood. So, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but anyway, I don't, you know, I, I'm not real good at growing, growing plants and stuff, but last week we took a look at, 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 at the treasure, and we take our treasure and we invest it into the kingdom and, to, and into Jesus so that, so that he can grow that, that God can grow that. And, and us Americans, us Americans, we're just kind of like, and I'm, I'm supposed to do something, right? Like, it doesn't just happen. It's not like just mystery. Well, there's a mystery part about it. Just like when we put seed in the ground, like, you, can't, you don't watch the plant grow, but you see the effects of growth, and you ultimately want to see fruit occur because of the seed that you put in the ground. But, but there's some things that you can do to help the environment be conducive for growth. We're two weeks into this series called Once Upon a Parable, where we're taking a look at the parables of Jesus and, and, and seeing uh, uh, the, 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 the stories that he gives us. And I tried to be cute with the fiction and nonfiction thing last week. And, and like my wife so lovingly was like, you just jacked that up. Every time I think I've figured it out, like I, I don't, I don't, I think this is what I really think happens. As soon as I figure it out, like what fiction and nonfiction is, I think everybody else changes and doesn't tell me. That's just to mess with me. I think that's what happens. And, and so I'm not going to get cute with the whole nonfiction fiction thing. You can just replace the words nonfiction and fiction with wh whatever. You can do the work. So, but Jesus, what a parable is, is Jesus telling, Jesus telling a story that is not real, not true, but could be real in order to prove a real point. In order to prove a real point, you can fill in the blanks wherever you need to about fiction, nonfiction. 
right, Angie? Go right ahead, all right? So, and some of you will feel compelled to come up and tell me exactly what it is. If my wife can't get it in my head, just don't try, okay? Just don't try. So, he tells these stories in order to prove a real point about the kingdom. Jesus told 30-some-odd stories like this in the Gospels in order, in order to prove a point. We're just going to take six over the course of these six weeks and, and take a look at it from Matthew 13 and, and what the kingdom really is about from these stories. And the story that we're going to be at this morning, Matthew 13, the story that we're going to be at this morning talks about kingdom growth, that when we put our all in into the kingdom, when we take our treasure and go all in into the kingdom, and, and, and I said last week that God grows that because a $1,000 investment at being all that you have and a $10,000 investment being something uh, 100% of what somebody else has, there are different values, but they're still 100%. And if we're investing in at 100 or at, 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 at 10 at $1,000, if we're investing in at $1,000, we are hoping to receive an investment $10,000. So how, what does it look like in that growth period? What does kingdom growth look like? Matthew 13, you can follow along at a hardbound Bible. Throw the scriptures up on the screen as well. Encourage the, the smartphone app, a Bible smartphone app. You can search for that in, in Google Play or, or the App Store. And we encourage that because we, we put on a, a, an event on there where we put all the scriptures there and, and a note page. You can take notes. You can, you can put stuff that God is, 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 is uh, growing you with uh, right there on Facebook and Twitter. And we encourage that. And, you know, if... All God gives you this morning is you, my, my pastor grows grass and then awesome, I guess. So Matthew 13. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath uh, or, or hard ground, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the short soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant. Still other seeds fe fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. How do we, what does kingdom growth look like? How do we grow in the kingdom? Uh, a few, few things from here. First of all, first of all, we plant the seed, right? We plant the seed. And Jesus later explains this parable. I'm going to read that. But, 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 but he explains the parable and he says the seed is the message of the kingdom. The message of the kingdom. If we treasure the kingdom, if we treasure the kingdom, then we are going to plant in us the message of the kingdom. If we're going to treasure the kingdom, we are going to plant in us the, the, the message of the kingdom. So hopefully we are sitting there with some questions. First of all, what is the message of the kingdom? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you had that. Man, am I a mind reader? Or what? That's awesome. What can Billy do? Shoot, that's nothing. I can pour water on people all day long. Can he read minds? Ah. What is the message of the kingdom? The, 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 the 13.1 starts off later that same day. You're like, what? 
later that same day. So obviously chapter 12 and chapter 13 kind of go together. Later that same day, previously, that day, Jesus was teaching in a home. No wonder he went out to a lake because that home was so crowded. People were, were hanging in the windows and outside like, I can't hear down in front. And, but, so he decides to go out in a lake because Jesus is smart. I mean, he, after all, he is God. So, you know, he's brilliant like that. And, but, but, but they're so crowded and there was his hometown and his mother and siblings came up to, to see him. And somebody in the back was like, hey, Jesus, your mother and brother and sisters are here. And this is what Jesus had to say. Anyone. 1250, anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The message of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom is that anybody can be in God's family. It is those who are doing the will of the Father that is in God's family. And that should produce a couple more questions. One, what is the will of the Father? Two, I've broken the will of the Father. Is there any hope for me? Is there any hope for me? A guy by the name of Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, give an awesome section of verses that tell us more about the will of the Father and the message of the kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The message of the kingdom is that, is that the old person, the person that we don't like, not cosmetically, but the person that we don't like from the inside can become new. That's the message of the kingdom, and that's the will of the Father, to make old things new. 5.18, and all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. We all have broken the will of the Father, but the Father has done the work to reconcile us back to himself. That's the message of the kingdom, that he has reconciled us back to himself. 519, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Sinning is breaking the will of the Father. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. The message of the kingdom is that we have broken the will of the Father, but he doesn't count our sins against us. He cleanses us. He forgives us. Whatever is dirty on the inside, he cleans that. 521, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with, the, with God through Christ. The translation I use, I, I don't really like how it translates this, uh, that, that verse there. Basically what Paul is saying is that every sin that we had was put on to Christ so that the righteousness of Christ or the right doing of Christ can be put on us. So the message of the kingdom is that we who have done wrong can actually receive everything that Christ did right on us. That's the message of the kingdom. That's the message of the kingdom. That's the message of the kingdom. That's the kingdom manifesto. God took time to give us 66 books, 66 different books compiled into one uh, compilation teaching this entire message. How we broke his will, but that he makes the old things new. But he makes the broken things reconciled. But he makes the dirty things clean. But he makes the wrong things right. That's the message of the kingdom. And that's the message that he wants us to plant into ourselves.
That's why we give you reading plans. Like, where do I start? Well, that's why we give you that, to answer that question. This is where you start. And, and we've, got, we've got six times five, 30? 30, right? Yeah, 30. Six times five, 30. 30, 30 of the parables of Jesus right there in the seat back in front of you for you to read so that you can be planting the message of the kingdom into you. And that's why I preach kind of the way that I do, where, where we actually take one section of Scripture and, 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 and rip that apart. And why we, most of our disciple-making relationships in small groups take, take that and, and, and dig deeper into that. Because guess what? If we take topics from the Bible, if we take topics from the Bible and go find a, a Bible study for that, we treat the Bible like an encyclopedia going from here and here and here. We don't get a complete picture. The letters and the books were intended to be read completely. And, and if, we, if we just read the Bible completely, we'll get to every topic we ever want to get to and, and probably more than what we we want to get to. But the message of the kingdom is where the power is to transform lives. And if you want a life that goes from old to brand new, from broken to reconciled, from dirty to clean, from wrong to right, it's a message of the kingdom that we've got to plant in us. But, see, seed in a bag you can buy the best seed but if you keep it in the bag not a whole lot you can do it not a whole lot of use you gotta have a sower right you gotta have somebody open up the bag take the seed throw it around get it on the ground get it in the ground get it planted so we got the sower here You've got to sow the message. Sow the message. Now, I know we have some crafting ladies. Notice the spelling. Not sow the message. Sow the message, okay? I've got to make sure. That some things i just got to make sure of here. Which grass we're talking about and which sow we're talking about, all right? Now this is a little bit preaching to the choir because you're here. Are you sowing the message into yourself? Now coming and, and, and sitting underneath Kingdom Manifesto teaching, which I believe that we do here because we're spending a year talking about the kingdom and we spent last year talking about the king. Uh, uh, you're sowing the message. Going to a small group that helps you sow the message where seed is just throwing, being thrown around everywhere. See, small group in disciple-making relationships isn't about one person throwing seed around. It's about everybody just throwing seed around. Like, I'd love to see that. Phil, just take a bag of seed into your next small group and like, everybody throw it around. That sounds like weird. That's fine. But it's designed to be that everybody is sowing into each other and we come to those disciple-making relationships and, and these environments in order to sow the message into our life. But, are we sowing the message into somebody else's life? Paul, in the same set of scriptures that we referred to earlier, 2 Corinthians 5, said this in verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. He uses a different metaphor, but it means the same thing. 
God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody that is a citizen of one kingdom and goes to another kingdom to live in order to represent the kingdom in which he is a citizen of. And so what Paul is saying is that we are a citizen of God's kingdom and we go into the kingdom of darkness in order to represent the citizen that we are really a, the kingdom that we are really a citizen of. We are to take the kingdom message to the other kingdom, not just live in our kingdom. Because we as Christians, when we focus on Christian rather than being a citizen of the kingdom, see, what we do is we end up getting our Christian fiefdoms and then and, and we build buildings that we never want to leave. And when we do, we, create a, we, we, we go to a business that has all Christians in it. We build bookstores that are have Christian books and music and mints because they make your breath smell holier. Somebody's got it in their purse like, you want a testament? But we buy it. Anyway, we were not intended to create our own Christian ghetto and live in it. It's just way not cool. We're not, we're not cool that way. <laughs> Do our own Christian ghetto. We are intended to be a citizen of God's kingdom and be an ambassador to, ambassador to, the, to the kingdom of darkness. So it's okay to be at a workplace that you're the only Christian at. It's okay to look, view yourself as, 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 as your, the pastor of your neighborhood. Going into your neighborhood, being an ambassador, a representative of, of, the, of the kingdom of God. Students, you have the best opportunity of any of us around in, in this room. Here's why. We live in a Bible Belt suburbia America, so therefore adults... Pretty much everybody, 35 for, for the most part, everybody 35 and over, attend church. Pray to pray and attend church. They don't, that doesn't mean they're citizens of the kingdom. But see, as I sub and as I coach and as I look to the landscape of, of, of students, see the Bible Belt suburbia influence isn't on them, which is a good thing. Because that means the message of the kingdom of hope, of transformation, of peace, of love, of cleansing, can still take root. And we do things like serving the campus. We do things uh, uh, like connection events as adults for you so that you have an avenue to sow the message. And that we are leveraging our resources and our time and, and, and our experience. We leverage that on your behalf so that you have the courage to sow the message into your generation. Because it's, it's what some sociologists call post-Christian. 
We've had a Christian society, but this generation is, is growing up post-Christian. But I would rather call it pre-Christian. That they have a more fertile soil to be planted into than us old fogies, right? Can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? Didn't get an amen on that. I don't know why I didn't get an amen. Are we sowing the message? Are we sowing the message? But we have the best seed. We can sow the message into, into people. But there's actually a, a variable that is the most important variable. It's the soil, right? The best conditions... Seed, sower, sunlight, water, temperature. The best conditions, if, 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 the, if the soil's not right, fruit won't be produced. But the right soil actually overcomes some other conditions not being right. Matthew 13, 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. Jesus is now with his disciples and his disciples are asking him questions. Why do you teach in parables? And what is this parable all about? The seed that fell on the footpath or the hard ground represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. And so we see a heart. We see that that, that these soils represent our heart, our seat of emotion and desires. And if our heart is hard, the seed of of the message of the kingdom just lays on it and Satan comes through and he snatches it up. But see, there's a danger here because we're sitting in church and all of us don't have hard soil, do we? Because we're sitting in church. I've known people that sit in church all their life and pray a prayer, but have hard soil towards the message of the kingdom. See, the message of the kingdom and the way we think we need to do church based on centuries of doing church are two totally different concepts. And we can be in church all of our life and still be hard towards the message of the kingdom. And just because we're in church on any given Sunday doesn't mean that we're soft towards the message of the kingdom. Now, I do not fear that as our greatest fear here at Crosspoint. But it's in the text, so we need to discuss that, don't we? Because that's a viable possibility of people sitting here. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So Jerusalem and Judea is a mountainous territory that that, that, that when they they have a small small, uh, uh, layer of soil, and then underneath that small layer of soil is limestone. We don't understand that here in the Ozarks, do we? Ever try and dig a fence post? Goes awesome for about six inches. The next 18, like, anybody have a stick of dynamite? Stick of dynamite, please. (laughs) Big hole, need more concrete. That's all I need. And when you plant in this 
soil, weeds or uh, 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 plants that, that start to grow in this soil actually look better initially than, than, than plants planted in good soil. Why? Because the roots, the energy and the, the, the nutrients don't go into the roots because the roots only go so far, the, the, the nutrients go up into the plant. So immediately the plant looks better. But then the hot Mediterranean rim sun, I've experienced the Mediterranean rim sun. Oh, oh, sun. Oh, four Olympics, Athens. 10 a.m. Sitting in metal bleachers, watching this young gun, Michael Phelps, swim preliminary heats. 10 o'clock a.m., 100 degrees. Like, I think Missouri's hot. <laughs> That's the Mediterranean rim. So Jesus is saying, when that sun comes out and the roots aren't, aren't deep, the sun scorches the plant. And it represents those that, that take off with excitement, but their roots don't go deep. And then when the going gets hot, they get out of the kitchen. Persecution, which is something we don't really face in America. But the struggles of life hit. And we go, God, why'd you do that? I'm out of here. That's that person. This is a little bit more of a danger. A little bit more of a danger for us. That when the going gets hot, we stand up and we get out of the kitchen. But those with deep roots, actually, the heat helps produce a stronger plant. Helps produce a stronger plant. The seed that fell among the thorns represented those who fear, hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the words of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Ah, this one. Suburbia Bible Belt. This is the danger. This is the fear. This is the one that will trip a lot of us up. Because we want just enough of Jesus to not touch our stuff. To not touch... Us wanting to do our own thing. Just enough of Jesus to have a lucky rabbit's foot and get out of hell free. But don't touch my bling and what I like. And when we allow our bling and what we like to do to crop up, it chokes out the message of the kingdom and no fruit, no kingdom fruit is produced. So this could be possessions that, that, that we don't budget well. And we go buy the next shiniest thing. This could be our free time. This could be the sin that we like to hold on to and let choke out. Because it feels good. 
But like we said last week, when we throw all of our treasure into the middle and we put it into the kingdom and we put it into Jesus, a couple of things will occur. First of all, what will begin happening is that our own desire starts changing and the stuff that we like to chase after before putting it all into the kingdom, it starts fading away and we just simply find out that we have joy without it. But a second thing can occur. We put our treasures up into the kingdom. We put our treasures up into Jesus. And then he returns what gave us what we thought was joy beforehand. He returns that to us. And he actually returns it to us so that we can actually find more joy with it after we're throwing our treasures up into the kingdom. Do we trust God enough that He has our utmost joy in mind to throw our treasures up into Him and let the chips fall where they may? See, these soils, these soils, these are a snapshot. This isn't intended to be a motion picture. We'll, we'll see a parable here in just a second that, that, that is intended to be a motion picture. These are a snapshot that any given point in time, taking a snapshot of our heart, will, will show a soil like this. Because that's very important. There's a big difference between a motion picture and a snapshot. It's one last soil. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. I mean, imagine, 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 you know, putting seed into our life and seeing God give us back 30, 60, 100 fold the fruit of the kingdom as the seed that was planted. No matter where you are with Christ right now, no matter how long you've been back in church, if this is your first week back in church, I would think that hearing this verse, there's something inside of you that goes, man, that sounds good. To produce fruit that's beyond us. But again, there's a question that, that arises with this. I am not that I am not that soil. Is there any hope for me? Can there be change in my life to become this soil? Or am I just doomed to the soil that I'm sitting in right now? Luke chapter 13. I think this is a parable that we're going to read this week. It's one of those little known parables that when I came across this a couple years ago, I was just like, oh, this is awesome. When then Jesus told this story, a man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there's any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years. I mean, three years for a stinking fig. There hasn't been one. That's a long time to wait for a fig, right? Three years. Cut it down. It's taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. Special attention. Other translations say dig around the tree and give it plenty of fertilizer. Uh, if we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. I think this tells us two things about God. One, He's patient to see our soil change. 
as I believe it was Paul that says that he is patient to lead us to repentance. To see us come to a repentance. He, he's, he's patient with us. Two, there is something we can do to prepare our soil. To prepare our soil. Dig around it or till the soil and put fertilizer in it. I want you to fertilize your life. Smear a little bit of crap all over your life today. Last night, last night, you know, last week we gave you, we gave you little, little chocolate coins to represent the treasure and, 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 and give it. So last night what we did, what we did, we've, we've, we've hauled in from Denny's, Denny's land, we've hauled in from his cows uh, the, <clears throat> the, um, the, the, the produce from his cow, the fruit, if you will, from his cows. And, um, and uh, we have brought, so when everybody leaves, we will give you a little baggie with that fruit in it so that it will remind you to put fertilizer in your, no, not really, not, not really. That'd be awesome though, but I wouldn't be the one to want to do that. So what does it mean to tell your life and put fertilizer all over you, like, I don't want to see those pictures on Facebook. A pastor grows grass and told us to fertilize ourselves. Till, digging up hard soil. Here's what I think that is. I think that's repentance. Taking the hard soil of our heart and saying, God, I'm hard. I've got some rocks. I've got some thorns. I've got some stuff in there. I, I'm sorry. I don't want that in there anymore. Can you do something with this? Can you change my heart? Can you plant something different in there? <laughs> and the one you're really interested in, what does it mean to put fertilizer on me? What's the nutrients of God? We've already been there this morning, right? His kingdom message. That's the nutrients of God. Are we smearing His message in our life? Like fertilizer. Are we tilling the ground? Or are we putting fertilizer in our life? Just imagine this. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine this. In your life, like you get the chance to look back in your life and, and other people get the chance to look back in your life and, and you get to see fruit. hundred times what you put into it. Imagine that. Imagine fruit. Imagine people coming to the kingdom. See, we talked about crowdsourced commitments a couple nights ago in our team, team member meeting of, 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 of people who, 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 because of somebody else engaging with my life, I am more committed to God because of somebody else. Imagine people looking at your life and saying, I am more committed to God because of you engaging in my life. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine being that type of person. Imagine the, the fruit of the Spirit so popping up in your life that people are like, Dude, are you a tree? But imagine, 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 imagine a group of people all producing fruit a hundred times what was planted coming together in order to see a group of people produce a hundred times what is planted. A church planting a hundred times. We're seeing fruit a hundred times what is planted. Imagine a church planting a hundred churches. 
And out of those 100 churches seeing fruit planted or seeds planted in such a way that, that those churches plant 100 more churches. That's 10,000 stinking churches all around the world. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? One church here in Republic, Missouri, because of people who are passionate, who desire, who hunger and thirst for soft soil, let God just take their life because of one church, 10,000 crop up. Woo! Also that we can see hard soil be tilled to become soft soil. People who are hard towards the kingdom become fans of the kingdom. Imagine what kind of impact 10,000 churches can make. For the sake of the kingdom of God and what kind of damage that could do to the kingdom of darkness. That's what's possible with soil that is well prepared. So the question of today is this. What gardening do we have to do? What tilling? What fertilizing? What gardening do we need to do for His message to flourish in our life? That's the message for today. See, we, we do church in this way in order for non-fans to come in and we do the tilling for them. From the, the food and greeting to, to the music that's played to the laughter that we want to have to do the tilling for them. But as fans, those of us that are fans, it's up to us to till throughout the week, right? And to fertilize. Nicole and I, we used to pray this more. We need to get back into the habit of praying this more, of praying Saturday night and Sunday morning of, God, what is, I, I, prepare my heart for what you want to do the next day. What if, what if, what if just this group of people prayed that? every single Saturday night into Sunday. What if? Till your heart throughout the week. Fertilize your heart throughout the week. And see what happens. Time of reflection occurs. What gardening needs to be done in our life for the message of the kingdom to flourish? Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. I pray, Lord, that you will do what you need to do. I mean, it's words, but your spirit has to go through hearts to, 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 to change them. I pray, Lord, that gardening occurs this morning in all of our life. You know, wherever our snapshot is, that we're not content with that, 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 that even if we feel like we're good soil, that we go through and we come through to get every root of thorn, every small rock out. But that you are the one, 
that we're relying on you to, to point that out and to, to help us and to, to give us the power. Let us prepare the soil the way that we need to and let you do the growth. Let lives be changed this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Myself and Shelly will be in the back of the room if you need to, if you need help preparing your heart, which is okay. This is a safe place to need help to prepare your heart. We want that to occur and those conversations to occur. Otherwise, worship the God who loves to do some gardening. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. Find us on Facebook at My Crosspoint, where we help you connect with God on a daily basis.